0: Welcome to the Present Fathers Podcast. This is a special episode recorded in person in Nashville. My guest is Mike Thompson. Mike is a personal trainer and fitness coach who helps busy men get back in the best shape of their lives while excelling at work and at home. I love Mike's mission. He's so passionate about what he's doing. And I love how it's not just about being physically fit, it's about also showing up as the best leader for your family. Um, what, the work he's doing with men is just incredible. And in this episode, you're gonna see Mike's passion to help others. Uh, as well as a lot of vulnerability and honesty about his own journey and how he's come to a point where he's able to help other men excel. Um, We go through his upbringing, what life was like, and some of the major impacts that his dad played in his life. Uh, Mike is fortunate enough to have a great upbringing where his dad was very involved, and it's just good to see strong examples of how much that has made a positive impact in his life moving forward. Um, He found fitness at an earlier age, really dove into that heavily, and he's going to share those experiences and how he used fitness as kind of an outlet for himself. And then we also go through the topic of becoming a police officer. So he decided he didn't wanna do the military and be away from his family for long periods of time. So he went the route of becoming a police officer here in Nashville uh, with the Metro PD. And so he goes through that experience and this is special for us because it's our first time interviewing a police officer. Um, And after a few years on the force, he experienced a lot of uh, anxiety and, and stress. And so he talks through that experience and how he, what he learned from it and how to uh, overcome those. So I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Mike is a great guy, full of energy, and uh, just a real passion for helping others. And I think that's very evident through his story. So without further ado, let's get climbing into the episode. Thanks for watching. Mike Thompson, welcome yes, to the sir. show. Thank How are you. you, man? I'm good, man. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, dude. I'm stoked one, because we've been trying to make this happen for like six months. <laughs> yeah, so it's literally. nice to be across the table from you yeah. finally. Um, and also that we're in person. Like I love doing the in person thing way more than the virtual, and we're close enough that doing this is yeah. I'm really excited to to dive into your story. Oh. So let me do a very brief intro. You fill in any gaps, and then we'll dive into absolutely man into talking about Mike. So you're a husband, father, uh you were a former Nashville Metro PD for two years. Mm-hmm and uh, you've transitioned now to being a trainer and coach uh, for men specifically i think mm-hmm. and uh, it's mike or sorry mjttraining.com is is your main platform and um, so let's let's talk just qu- quick high level what what is your training program how do you help men and and what's your mission
1: sure so the tagline and it took me a long time to kind of come up with a mission statement because i think i think that's important for anything that we're doing yes. like and just overall in life like what is your mission but for the business, I want to help busy men get back in the best shape of their life while excelling at work and at home. And that last part is super important to me because I see so many men trying to basically like train like they did in high school or train yeah. like they did in college or train like they did when the military or right. whatever. And it when you get to a certain point in your life that a lot of guys are at in like their mid-30s, mid-40s you can't train like that anymore. Yeah. Like you have other responsibilities, you got other stressors, you got other stuff going on. And so what I'm really passionate about is helping guys manage all of that stuff along with improving their health to improve all of the stuff that they actually care about. Because I always say like, none of us are getting paid to work out. Like I'm in the industry. I don't get paid to work out. Right. And I don't get paid to eat well, but it informs everything else that I do. And I know we'll talk about some of that stuff later, but I basically want to help shift guys mindset away from like, Hey, you know, I'm fat, I'm this, I'm that all this negative stuff and like orient it more positively toward the vision that they have for their life. And like I said, like their mission statement, like why are they here and how does fitness inform that?
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I agree completely. I think everyone needs to have a, especially as a father, as a husband, you should have a vision for your family Um, and you have to lead yourself first before you can lead others. Right. You have to be walking the walk for others to follow you. So, um, couldn't agree more. Men need to have a purpose. They need to have a mission. And I think, uh, that's, you're right. A lot of guys get misguided in like the fitness realm where it's like, Oh, I've got to be all these things. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, the goal is to be a better father and husband, not uh, unless you are like in competitions, yeah, you're right. And that's a different thing. That's a different thing. But, but
1: at the same time, even if you that, want to do well in a competition, again, unless you're at the highest level, you're not getting paid. Sure. So why do you want to do well in exactly. the competition?
0: Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, <laughs> for for us average people who just yep. want to you know look good naked and stay healthy, then uh, you know the goal is yep. to to have it pay into the other things. So yep. I love that you added that in your mission about not just mastering the fitness, but the home life as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Um, why don't we start from the beginning, Mike, let's, let's just talk a little bit about where you grew up, what your home life was like and, um, you know, your childhood and that kind of stuff. And eventually how you worked your way out to Nashville. Sure. Um, so I was raised in Ohio, um,
1: Dayton area, only child, um, very small family. Dad has one brother mom's an only child as well. So very small family. Um, grew up, I think the typical kind of Midwestern, just kind of average, I don't know, average childhood, nothing, nothing too significant, you know in childhood I would say shaped me other than the fact that I was probably very significant. I had a very stable upbringing. Um, you know, dad was very present. Mom was very present. Awesome. Everybody, yeah, it was, I'm blessed. Yeah. You know, the more I've, I've grown up and met people and kind of traveled around, it's like, I, I didn't realize what I had at the time. Yeah. Um, you know, learned a lot of finance management, um, you know, relationship stuff, like all kinds of stuff. So I'm very grateful for the upbringing that I had. So, um, when I was in middle school, um, I kind of got in my head that I wanted to join the Navy after high school. That okay. was kind of my goal. And that's what initially got me into working out. I was, gotcha. I was skinny. I was weak. I was absolutely terrible. I think when I started working out, I was like five five nine, like 130 pounds maybe, like just real scrawny kid, super, super, yeah, super weak. Like I remember <laughs> – uh, I put this on my website because it was so funny. I still remember the day – like, I was bench pressing at the YMCA, and I got stuck with no spotter, and oh, one of no. the female coaches had to come, and she oh, just kind of yeah. pulled the bar off me. You can imagine, like, a 15-year-old kid, right. like, the female, you know, trainer rescuing you from... Oh, it's so embarrassing. But yeah. for whatever reason, I always gravitated toward the gym. Um, it was kind of an outlet for me. Um, I loved seeing the progression. I loved yeah. seeing you know, the things that I was good at progress. And then obviously I didn't like having weaknesses. So I liked working on that too. It was just a good outlet. I yeah. worked at the YMCA. I was a lifeguard. Um, So it was real convenient for me and everything. So that got me into the gym and, you know, getting toward the end of high school, um, you know, my parents specifically, my mom had some concerns about me going into the military just for safety reasons. You know, she's a mom, she's yep. an only child. Like yep. I, I totally get it now. <laughs> um And basically, you know, the long and the short of it was, they were like, Hey, you know, you need to get an education. My dad was always big on education, get your degree, get a good job, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, you know, if you go to college after high school, we'll help you, you know, financially okay. some, you know, if you decide to go in the military, you know, that, you know, you're going to be grown on your own. You're kind of going to have to handle that for yourself. Okay. So I made the decision like, and honestly, like I wasn't, didn't have a ton of direction. I don't think if I had joined the military at that time, I would have done super well. Mm. I had a lot of growing up to do. Yeah. Um, that I didn't realize at the time that they probably saw. Okay. Um, so I ended up coming to Nashville at Belmont University as a music major. <laughs> of course, like the greatest career, like of all time, like I want to be a session guitar player. And, yeah. Um, still working out, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Um, because that was my hobby. I yeah. had no drive to do anything else. So I was right. like, well, I'll just go study this. But um, came to Nashville. I had some pretty severe um, tendon issues in my elbows, mm. like um, physically couldn't keep up with the program. Okay. So I did three semesters. Um, ended up transferring out of the, the guitar program and graduated with a religion and philosophy degree. Another great nice. job prospect. Yeah, man. Um, Just really business career-minded. Like, I don't know what was going through my just, head. There's just tons of jobs out there yeah. waiting to hire yeah. someone with that type of degree. Yeah, exactly. But I was really interested in it. Like, I loved writing. I loved reading, learning, yeah. and thinking about this kind of stuff. Um, so it was a good fit for what I liked to do. Sure. Career prospects were not great. But um, I met my wife in college. We met in 2009. Okay. Um, We literally met first semester, started dating second semester, and then got married basically the month after we graduated. Nice. So, again, very blessed. Yeah. In that regard that I met, you know, the one. Right. So so quickly into my adult life, and we've just kind of – that was – I think it'll be, what, our 12th anniversary next year. Well, congrats. Yeah, thank you. So – again very blessed but i knew we were getting married um i was like well i need to get a job obviously pay pay some (laughs) bills like we you know didn't really have anything else going for us so um i was like well i've always liked working out i'm gonna get a job in the gym okay so i got my training certification started working in the gym i think it was 2011 started working as a contract trainer kind of around nashville worked at the university gym just kind of pieced things together um i liked it the hours were super long Mm -hmm. um and I never intended to do this for, like, a career, right? At the time, I didn't have a, a clear vision for what I wanted. Okay. It was basically just, like, I'm going to pay the bills and we're going to buy our house and have nice our little family and figure it out yeah. later. So we did. We bought a house after a couple of years, kind of got stable. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to do this forever. I kind of saw it as a kid's job. You know, I'm just training, you know, people in the gym two right. hours a day. And I was like, what do I want to do? And I still had the itch to scratch where I wanted to go in the military mm-hmm. in high school i was like i don't necessarily want to join the military now cuz family is very high on my priority list yeah. and not saying that you can't make it work cuz i know lots of people that do but that was not my upbringing that was not really what i saw good for my family right um just having to travel and going to being away for training i wasn't willing to do that personally to be away for weeks at a time mm-hmm. potentially you know a year so um i was like well you know the next best thing i'll join the police department okay here in nashville so that's kind of where <laughs> That went – so in 2016, I joined – it was like a two-year-and-a-half or two-year application process at the time. Wow. Like it was ridiculous. That's really it seems really long. They've sped it up now because that was right as a lot of the controversy, like the modern controversies around policing were starting to kick off. Oh,
0: so it was more of a, like, CYA type of stuff just to make sure that, like, our recruits have been through enough.
1: I think it was – honestly, people were not so jaded on the police at the time because I think okay. for my class, we graduated – it was less than forty. It was between thirty-five and forty. It might have been thirty-eight. Okay. I think if I'm going to get it, the number's wrong, but it was around forty-seven hundred applicants for that class. Whoa! Which is wild. Now they struggle to fill a class of like eighty to one hundred, as far mm. as my understanding, kind of being outside. Right. And so I think at the time, it just people were not as jaded on it. A it was lot just of high the riots. The riots hadn't happened. People were still looking at it, it was like, hey, this is a great career. Mm. Um, okay. Doing that kind of thing. So anyway, I joined the police department. Then and kept training kind of online and did some stuff on the side. Okay, two years basically of that, and we'll get it you know more in depth onto what happened. But I basically decided to leave that path because it was not again fitting into the vision of what I wanted for my family. Yeah, and, um, quite frankly, selfishly for myself. Right. And then um, came back to training. You know, I had the business already going, but restarted it kind of full time. Okay. Trained in a gym. Um, in Hermitage out here for about five years and then took everything online.
0: Okay. so Awesome.
1: that's the path that has brought me up to this point.
0: Okay. And real quick question, when did you become a dad? What year was that? Uh, That was 2021. She was born in September, so she just turned two. Okay. Um, So you'd already left the... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I had left
1: Metro for a few years. Okay. Um, But we'll talk about this, but honestly, future kids were kind of the impetus for really getting the ball rolling to me.
0: Right. Okay. So let's go yeah. back then to, um, the police sure. being, being in the Metro PD. Um, yeah, you're the first police officer that we've interviewed on the show. And, um, you know, just as a military guy, I feel like we get way too much credit. Um, cause I've, <laughs> I've done a lot of like group therapy with mm-hmm. EMS and first responders and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'll keep my bag of crap. Cause yeah. I've, I've heard a lot of stories from mm-hmm. specifically police, mm-hmm. um, there's just something about doing it in your own home, you know, like there, there's a mental difference for me, at least we're like, Oh, it was off in Afghanistan, this strange land. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I came home, I was home, you know, and it's like, I don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. So there's this separation that makes it easy to kind of not let it eat you up. Yep. But police are living it day in and day out, basically where you live or very, very close to where you live. Right. Mm -hmm. So, can you just talk through, one, I'm sure you were pretty excited when you started out, right? Right mm-hmm. item and bushy-tailed, ready to like make mm-hmm. a big difference. So just talk about your initial experience, and then I'd like to dive into kind of unpacking the mental and emotional side of what it takes to be a police officer sure. and kind of the toll that takes on you and your family. Sure. Yeah,
1: so going into it, like I said, it was a very long application process, which obviously gave me a lot of time to think, right? Like you're going through a year and a half application process where you, you know, put in your paperwork, you don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden you have this 80 page packet in the mail that you have to have <laughs> done in a day, you know, where you have to interview all your neighbors and they have to give you recommendations, yep. all this crazy stuff. And you have these psychological evaluations, physical tests, like all this stuff. Sure. Um, I was talking to somebody else a couple months ago and I think I'd, I hadn't really had this, this clarification for myself until this conversation. I think I was much better talking about mentally, mental health physical like i was good like yeah. i was not you know a superstar athlete but i was totally fine never fell out of any runs sure i was just solidly in the top 10 on pretty much everything so i was good but mentally i think i was so fixated on i'm going to achieve this goal and become a police officer that i had forgotten about the lifestyle afterwards, which right. sounds so stupid to me now. Like you say it now, you're like, yeah. Dude, you idiot. Of course you think about the career. But I think at the time <laughs> it was so much because you know, Metro uses a six month Academy. Okay, um, you don't live there, but it's, you know, five days a week. It's, um, you know, again, I'm not there now, but at the time, like we got smoked pretty good, pretty much the whole way through, you know, the first 12 weeks is a
0: little, little more intense, and but for those listening, smoked means like Told to do lots of push-ups and yeah. overhead arm claps push-ups and stuff and like
1: that. Just dumb stuff. Bear crawler
0: yeah. on the gym, swimmers. I hate those. Run, like run to the mock-up or whatever. Yeah, run yeah. there, run there, pick that up, put it down.
1: Yeah. You had to earn your uniform. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a game to exactly. play. So we wear a suit every day, and you're doing, like, these, you know, five-mile runs in your suit and right. stuff. You feel so stupid. Yeah. But anyway, it. you know, that w- was what it was. I was very mentally prepared, keyed in. I won't say I, like, enjoyed all that stuff, but I definitely felt like, Like, yeah, there was never a doubt in my mind at all as far as, like, wanting to quit or this is too hard. It's like, no, this is just what we're doing today. Oh, well. You know, so from that perspective, you know, I I was good. Getting – I remember, you know, we graduated – I don't remember what day of the week. I think it was, like, a Tuesday night. And you do training rotations with a field training officer afterwards. okay Um, So at the time, uh, I had to do three – or four rotations, sorry – and the first one was going to be a midnight shift. So you graduate, you know, the one night, basically stay up all night, try to sleep during the day next day, and then you go to work. And I still remember, like, graduating, and I'm sure everybody has this moment was like, oh, man, no, I got to go to <laughs> – go actually do this tomorrow. <laughs> and, of course, that first night was just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Like, the third call – we didn't end up being involved in apprehending the guy, but the third call was, like, a naked dude on LSD with a sword beating down his roommate's door you know, yelling that he's Jesus, you know, just like, and this is like, you know, like 10 minutes from my house. Like you said, like this is at home and it's like, what? And so it was definitely a gut check as far as the pace of the lifestyle, yeah, the overall fatigue and just there's a lot that goes into it. And for me, I'm very blessed that I never had any, you know, life-changing critical incidents. Mm -hmm. Um, I saw what I, what police officers see, but it was no one in particular thing that really stands out to me as like, mm-hmm. Oh, that was super traumatic to me. Right. Like it was, yeah. it was just, and I know people that have those experiences. So again, I'm very blessed to not right. have that. Right. For me, what it was, it was obviously the shift work. Um, you know, thankfully, you know, once you were on a shift at the time you were there for, for uh, one to two years, uh, they keep changing kind of how long you're at certain places. I'll, my first actual assignment was a day shift. You know, and so I worked weekends, but I had like a normal kind of – we worked 6.33, like normal-ish kind of hours. Not terrible. Um, But what really started to get me was when we went to evening shift because not only is it busier, it's higher – I'd say more types of critical incidents. that happen Like in the evening rush hour, more bad wrecks, you know, more violent stuff happens at night, you know, generally speaking. And so – Going into that, and then because you're busier, you're making more arrests, and then you have more court time because you're making the arrests. Right. But you're not on the clock when you're at court, so then it's overtime. So it becomes basically the cycle you never are off. Mm. Not off in the sense of you never have like time off, but your brain is never off. Right. You're that was my in the mode, Yeah. You're always in this kind of fight or flight mode, and you're trained that way, and that's how you should be trained because somebody is going to try to kill you at any gym, uh, given time when you're at work, right? Right. Uh, every traffic stop could be your last. Like yeah. those one, statistically, that and domestic violence are the two most dangerous things a police officer can do, mm-hmm. and that's the majority of what you do. Yeah. <laughs> and so you always have that in the back of your mind, so you're always keyed up. It's hard to relax, especially on night shift. You know, when I was on night shift. I was sleeping like four hours, like mm-hmm. three hours, four hours a day. That's very common. Wow. Um. And, you know, again, court over time, um, you know, when to pay the bills, you know, it is – you're well paid, but it's not the best paid job. So a lot of guys work a ton of overtime because the money's good. Right. I was the same. So I might have one day off per week, but then I have court. And so you mm. just what got to me was just that daily overall grind of just not shutting down, always being keyed up. Um, you know, worried about the testimony in court. Is this going to be good enough to put this person away? Right. Did I do this right? Second guessing yourself. You know, because obviously, you know, the media is going to take anything you can. Exactly. And so, to me, that really started to grind on me um, when I was not on, like, a normal sort of schedule.
0: So, let's start with you personally, and then I'd I'd also like to talk about how it affected your marriage. But, um, so on a personal level, like, when did you start to notice that this ain't good for me? Or did you have, like, I I guess just, did you have any struggles that were, like, affecting things personally?
1: Yeah, so... um, Alcohol was never an issue. Like okay. I never really had any problems with that. Thank God. I drank a lot more than, than I do now, but I w- it was never. I would never say it rose to the level of a problem. Right. Um, I started having like physical symptoms, which mm-hmm. I had never experienced before. I think I'm always I've always been like a naturally kind of anxious person, um, just kind of the way I'm wired. Yeah. But I started. It started with like tremors. You know, my hands would shake. My legs would shake. I'd be Like, why is that happening? Um, your mind starts racing and this kind of escalated over a couple months into full blown, like panic attacks where it was like a seizure. Mm-hmm. Like I would be laid out on the floor, hyperventilating, um, arms and legs, like shaking, you know, mm-hmm. convulsing, um, uncontrollably hands and feet go numb. Um, and it was like an out of body experience because my mind at the time would be calm, which was the weird thing. Mm-hmm. There's no like, we like, again, like no one incident I'm thinking about no one thing I'm worried about. It's just like, wow, this is weird. What's happening to me? I don't have any control of my own body. <laughs> yeah, and those got to the point where I was having two to three a week. I would really? have, them, yeah, I would have them. I still remember one workout like I was squatting and I squatted. I finished the set. I think the physical stress brought it on. I had a panic attack for 15 minutes. Got back up, went and did another set. Like that's where <laughs> my brain was. Wow, because like, it was like you're a piece of crap if you can't finish this workout. Mm. Like I was so negatively oriented toward myself because it's like, why are you so weak? Mm. Like all these other guys can handle, you know, what you're doing just fine. You've only been doing this a year. Like all these, like what is wrong with you? Like, like you're, you're better than this. Yeah. But it was literally like, I can't control anything that's happening to me. And so then, you know, I'm very blessed here at, um, in the Metro police department, they provide free counseling. Okay. Um, which a lot of departments don't have. And so I started taking advantage of that and there was some, it was helpful Um, There was some stuff as far as um, controlling symptoms. It's like mindfulness exercises, deep breathing, like that kind of stuff that people are probably familiar with, which was good. Um, But I think the main aim there was like, oh, boy, you better not have one of these panic attacks when you're at work. Here are some things you can do discreetly to keep yourself level, right? Right. Um, It helped, but it didn't solve the problem. You know, yeah. when, when I think when it gets to that point, it's like, there's something else going on. Like you, you've got physically something has to be going on. I, yeah. I'm not an expert on like the the physiology of that. But. Right. Well,
0: it sounds to me like the, like your amygdala yeah. was, was like whatever the <laughs> yeah. the event was that was triggering it was manifesting itself very physically mm-hmm. for you. Um, it was, it was like stuck in the pipe. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, but it's yeah. like, you know, your fight or flight was just completely taken over, mm-hmm. shutting down the rest of your brain almost. Um, So did you ever uncover like why that was or, I mean. Not really. Um, Thankfully, um,
1: I have done, I mean, proud to say I've done a lot of work through therapy, counseling, um, you know, different conversations with, you know, people at church. Yeah. um, A lot of just kind of self-reflection. Okay. um, Reading, education around the topics and stuff to where now it's it's more under control, but it's not, I I couldn't tell you the last time I had like a full-blown, Okay. Like panic attack. It's been a few years, but I still have physical symptoms. Yeah. And I think, for example, again, you're talking about like you're doing stuff <clears throat> in your own backyard, right? Yeah. So there was – there's a part of South Nashville. Um, South Nashville just – there's a lot of traffic. It's super busy. It's very right. populated. Um, you know, there's just a lot going on down there. But there was a, a certain area that I worked that had some bad stuff go down in it. Okay. Um, my wife and I were out there for a Christmas dinner the other night um, just – Five days, or Saturday. So, like four or five days ago. Yeah. Um, as soon as we turn on this one road, road, my hand starts shaking. Yeah. And, I, wow. and again, I'm not thinking about any of that stuff. It's it's all subconscious. But it's, mm-hmm. and she noticed, and it was like, and yeah, and I start getting worked up, and it's like, wow, this is this is still there, and yeah. I can manage it. Like I can again, you know, we went to dinner, have a wonderful time, whatever. Part of I think my healing process has been understanding that this is something. Um. I don't have to be in control of. And it's like, you don't get mad at a diabetic. Like if their blood sugar gets sure. too low. Yeah. Right. That's kind of the way I think about it now. Yeah. It's that's like, that's a
0: healthy perspective. Yeah. I'm
1: doing what I can just because it manifests in certain ways or it's more related to my mind. Doesn't mean that there's not a physical component to it. And it's like, if I just beat myself up, it just makes it worse.
0: Yeah. He'd just go down the spiral. It's just interesting. Yeah. Um, they had such like a, you know, like a, a, a tra- not traumatic, dramatic, mm-hmm. uh, reaction to the stressors because yeah. you, you said you had a great childhood and you yeah. know like overall no one specific like crazy yeah. event or whatever it's just uh, you know so I think that your story is very interesting because it, it sheds light on on that right like it for for some people um, the way that we react to trauma or stressors or that kind of stuff is very different yeah. right so like you and I probably very different very reactions different. Yep. to the same event mm-hmm. um, and you know, I think that, I think, maybe is a good starting point for a lot of people to just realize, to have some grace with yourself, exactly. like you were just de- describing, and that just to start the journey of figuring out why mm-hmm. isn't, like, victim mentality or anything. Nope. That It's just assessing, okay, how can I manage it, gain control over it, or not let it, you know, dictate my life. Exactly, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really know where I was going with that other than just, like, I, your your story is a great example of how, like, it can happen to anyone. You know, I think a yep. lot of people think they, they have a uh, – they start struggling with something, and especially men in general, right? We don't like to talk about it. Oh, it's weak, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Um, but it can happen to anyone, and if it does, it doesn't mean you're a failure. It's how, how you respond to it exactly. is, is what will define you, right? Yeah, so,
1: exactly. It's like like I said, like the alcohol thing. I know guys that yeah. have – a problem with alcohol Sure. And that we know that there is a physiological component to that, that some people have a worse problem than other people. Yep, I happen to be the ones that doesn't have a problem with people. I've got my own problem that somebody else probably doesn't have. Right. And I was very blessed when we were in the police academy specifically. Um, there was a lot of training that came from um, the counseling section. Okay. Um, and one of the things they talked about a lot that kind of beat into our heads is everybody responds to these stressors differently. Yep. Um, some people respond You know, like if I had a critical incident where it's like there's gunfire and I'm like right here, it's like, oh, there's gunfire. Like I don't – it's not a big deal. Like for whatever reason for me and I was never in the military, like never been in combat overseas or anything, It's like it just wasn't that big of a deal Mm -hmm. to me at all. But if I'm thinking about, oh, what if my name gets dragged through the mud because I screwed up this call – Then it's like, oh, no, even though I'm not in any physical danger. Yeah, it's you know, all that stuff eventually goes away and life kind of goes back to like it's you're not any physical threat. Whereas like if you get shot, like that's very bad. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's very dangerous. (laughs) Very acute. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it's like I'm just I that I the, the 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 prospect of being dragged through the mud or negatively impacting my family because of something that I did. Was very much more a real threat to me than gunfire.
0: That's really interesting. I, I, don't, I
1: don't know. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Like I've thought about it a lot, and at this point, I'm just like, I don't know. Like I, I that's just how I'm wired. I don't know.
0: Well, I think that's a really great example um, of how it manifests differently. Yeah, and you know that it, it's not wrong or right. It just is. Yeah, and uh, you know, I think from my own experience and just speaking with a lot of guys who've been through a lot of stuff, like our, our natural tendency is to kind of beat ourselves up over that kind of thing. And like you were saying, it's all negative connotation. So you got to completely shift your mindset to focus on positive outcomes and, and overcoming and that kind of stuff. So, um, let's, let's flip how all these stressors started impacting your marriage. Sure. Um, and honestly,
1: the impact on the marriage was the reason like capital R reason that I made a change. Yeah. Started looking at transfers, other career paths, exploring my options. So, and it's weird when I think about on that time in my life, we purchased a house in the middle of that, another house. We moved out to Mount Juliet here. Okay, Um, I remember basically nothing about that process, which if you bought a house, it's a very involved paperwork. There's a lot of paperwork. There's (laughs) a lot of stuff to do. I remember basically none of it. Like I was checked Mm. out completely. I was absolutely checked out. You was in
0: like survival mode. Yeah.
1: And I was just like, cool, this, yeah, this house is cool, whatever. You know, yeah, okay. Yeah, like it's just just passive, which right. to me is like one of the worst things a, a man can be. Certainly. Um, but that's where I was. Yeah. Um, my, my active brain was going toward work, and I didn't have space for anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we bought a house, you know, kind of settled into our new rhythm, new shift, all this stuff. Um, and I don't remember exactly when, when it was, but um, I know I was completely checked out you know, of the marriage, anything else. And basically my wife sat me down, you know, and what I remember specifically with the line that she said was, um, if you keep going down this road, our future kids aren't going to know who you are. Mm. And at the time, like we didn't have kids. This yeah. was several years before we had kids, but we knew what we wanted to have them at some point. And she was not implying that she was going to leave, even though I think she fully would have been in her, her right to, um, I, she was implying that they're not going to know you like I know you. Like, mm. I knew you before all this. Right. And you have slid downhill so fast that, like, if we keep going down this road, like, she's like, I'm going to stick with you. If we keep going down this road, like, they're going to see this, you know, shell of a person for lack like, right. of a better term. And that was, like, that that family, like, that stable family home environment, because I was raised in it, it's always been, like, very, very high on my priority list. Yeah, Not necessarily from the you know, oh, he's got to work a nine to five. Cause obviously that was not, but <laughs> yeah. I want to be present for my kids. Yep. You know, I want to be involved in what they're doing. I want to take them to school. I want to be able to, you know, be at their sports and all these, these kinds of things that, you know, in previous generations, maybe dads weren't as involved with. Right. I think our generation is wanting to get more and more involved with that. Um. And so I was like, wow, like I didn't realize it was getting this bad. And mm. for whatever reason that for me was like the light bulb moment where was like, Oh, I am really, I need to get this figured out. Like I need to do something about this because I, it is not just going to solve itself anymore. Right. Um, And that's when I started looking into, like I said, like, do I transfer somewhere else or go to a different department? Do I, you know, go to a different career path? I explored some things, explored going back to school. None of it was really, you know, working for me. Like it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I obviously had this fitness skill set to fall back on. Sure. So basically studied up, got recertified because I let some things lapse. And then it was just kind of a Hail Mary. Started asking around at gyms, you know, like, hey, you know, here's my experience. I had some decent experience in corporate fitness and, yeah. you know, training some pretty pretty high-end clientele before. I was like, this is what I do. Here's my experience as a police officer. You know, do you have a spot for me? And there was a gym in Hermitage that did. And so um, I came in at a good time. It was kind of a transitional time for the business there. And I was okay. like, cool this is what we're going to do. Um, again, very blessed. My wife was working full time at the time. So I had a little bit of financial flexibility to not be the guy for a few months. Right. To kind of start building it for what I told myself was like, all right, if I'm not where I want to be in like three, four months, I'll go back to Metro. I'll, I'll figure out something. I'll make it work. Like I'll just kind of rest and then whatever. It took me a year. (laughs) 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 So I got to the end of three or four months. It's like, Oh, I can't go back. I'm just gonna keep going. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was that was. If she hadn't been in my life to keep me focused on, right. honestly, keep me focused on what was already important to me, mm-hmm. and to keep me focused on us as the goal, and not just like being the guy, you know, going to do, you know, SRT like special response team, like or canine or one of these, cool, yeah, you know, high speed cool things, yep. the that sexy every, stuff that yeah. every guy, you know, on some level I think wants to do. It's like, well, you could do that but is that really what you've, pro- like, what you want? And it's like, yep. I don't, I don't think I need to be cool, you know? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Like, it's just not worth it anymore.
0: Hey there, I got to interrupt this episode real quick for a huge announcement. We are very excited to share with you that we have an online merch store. We've got everything from sweatshirts, T-shirts, coffee mugs, uh, stickers, all kinds of great stuff. Um, so go check it out. It's the presentfathers.shop. That's the presentfathers.shop and there you can check it out, all the great stuff for yourself or for the dads in your life. Uh, In addition, this is a great way for you to support what we're doing. If you're a fan of the podcast, this helps you contribute to us uh, monetarily to improve the show, make sure that we keep bringing you the best value possible. On top of that, if you could do us a huge favor, please go to your favorite platform of choice, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, Apple, et cetera, and go leave us a follow or a subscription, whatever it is, and do us a favor and leave a review. Um, the way that these things work is the review is super powerful in terms of boosting our show to get to other people. And our desire is to reach as many men as possible and help them out. So if you can please do that, it helps us grow and it helps get this message out to other men and help them be the best men for their families possible. So without further ado, we'll get back to the episode. And we just wanted to thank you all for the continued support and viewership. Take care. That's yeah, that's a great point. Um, I, I got a friend who's a Green Beret, retired Green Beret, and he's like, man, I know so many guys who would do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who lived the cool lifestyle for a long time, and a lot of them are filled with regret now because they basically pick career over family. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's kind of something you can't do over, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, that's, yeah, man, I, I, I just want to, like, circle back on, on your wife being there for you in that, like, what a, what a powerful example of the beauty of marriage, right? Yep, and exactly. and she was there to help kind of pull you out of your own mm-hmm. cycle and help you gain the awareness you needed to to start taking action. And like nothing what I'm hearing sounds like that was um, like threats or any of that kind of stuff. It nope. just sounded like she was genuinely concerned yes. about you. And like you said, she knew the real you. You guys had been together for mm-hmm. quite a while at this point. Um, what a great example of, yeah. of how we can show up for each other in marriage. And, you yeah. know, that's something that's, near and dear to my heart too. My wife and I have had to step up for each other multiple mm-hmm. times in our own story and um, I'm really glad that she was there Dude. for you in that way because yeah. now we're having this conversation. but Exactly. So what were some of the, uh, other than just like figuring out work stuff, mm-hmm. what else did you do to kind of like become back to Mike's true self, the one that sure. she fell in love with? And...
1: Uh, realignment of values and priorities. Okay. Like I always come back to that. Like, you know, what what is important to you in life? What do you think is important in life in general? Yeah. Um, reprioritizing things. And it's what, not only that, but how do your actions relate to them? Um, and I've gotten a lot more in depth on this with myself in the years since all this went down. But yeah. That was kind of the number one thing. It's like, okay, if you say you, if, do your actions and your, what you say you want line up? Because right. if you, if you want to be the guy, go be the guy. Yeah. Like that's fine. But if you want like this, family life where you're involved. And I had a very clear picture in my head of what I wanted. It was like, this this may not be compatible. Mm. Not to say it's not universally compatible. It wasn't compatible for, for me, you, yeah. for me, just the way I'm wired and kind of the mistakes I made and kind of the path I took that was not going to be for me. And so making sure it's like, well, you say one thing, you do another, like you're a hypocrite. right? Like, figure it out. And not necessarily, again, talking down to myself. It's just objectively your actions are not lining up with the outcome that you want. Okay. So why don't we learn something from that? And either change the outcome you want or change the actions that you're taking. Right. Simple. It's it's just simple problem, like rational thinking, problem solving. Um, So that was – that mindset shift was huge. And the other big one I think you already touched on was um, – and I hesitate to even use the phrase self-compassion because it gets abused yeah. a lot or like it's self-care. Not, it's not pity party, but it's like – Yeah. And it's not sitting at home watching a movie and stuff on your face with snacks because you feel bad. Right. To me, self-compassion is looking at the big picture and looking at things more rationally. Like, what advice would you give to a friend? Like, if you see a friend going through what you're going through, would you tell them they're a piece of crap? Would you tell them, (laughs) like, in some sense, from the worlds we come from, probably on some level, right? Yeah. But in a joking, like, uplifting kind of way. Yeah. But you're not going to go talk to them like you're talking to yourself. And you're not going to tell them, oh, just get over this. Like, just man up and just don't. You know, right. Don't worry about. It. Don't tell anybody about what you're going through. Suppress, you know, the physical symptoms you're having. Like you can mm-hmm. fight through. It. Like you're not going to tell people that. You're going to be like, well, okay, what's actually going on here? And you right. get a little concerned. So when you kind of take that perspective of being your own friend, so to say, yeah. your own your own bro, you you kind of remove some of the emotion from it, and you can look at it again more rationally, objectively. And so for me, self compassion was a huge thing. Is like, look, like this is what you're dealing with. You're not going to gut your way through it. Um, this is what it is. It's in front of you. It's not good or bad. It just is. Yeah. What are you going to do with it? And then obviously getting the help that I needed through counseling, medication, right. like all these other, other things that we have available to us, you know, from a healthcare perspective. Yeah. That the self-compassion and just kind of, you know, looking at things rationally for yourself, I think is the biggest, the biggest mindset shift. And it's hard. Like I still struggle with that. Like everybody sure. does. Yeah. That little voice starts going and you're yep. like, uh, you know, in just different areas, maybe I'm more aware of it with this, but I'm not aware with it in business. And then I start sure. talking about myself in business, exactly. or I start, you know, in fitness, or whatever it is. My daughter's not behaving. Oh, why can't you make your daughter behave? Right, well, she's a two year old. Of course, she's not going to behave. Right? <laughs> you know, like it's just stuff like that. But you still, we still want to do it, right? Yeah.
0: Well, if she's not had it all figured out by three, then uh, I don't think we can have you back on the show it's game, later. So game that's, over. Yeah, it's, that's the real test now.
1: <laughs> that was right before we got on here. I got a uh, text <laughs> that she jumped off her cot at daycare and hit her face. Nice. You know, it was yeah. just like.
0: Good job, yeah, kid. Maybe yeah, that'll yeah. teach you not to jump on the bed. Yeah, no. sometimes uh, I, I love the joke. There's there's two kinds of rangers. There's smart ones and strong ones. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's never like, the same one. Yeah, so it's, it's like you're going to be a strong one. Over there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. So, Wait, what does that mean? Yeah. Otherwise, that's how I used to learn was the the hard way. So yeah, yeah. I, just to circle back, really drive the point home on. Uh, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of, like self compassion. Well, yeah. I don't know. I don't I, like the phrase. I, I think it's more phrase. perspective. I, yes. I like I, it's like self perspective. Yeah. Um, because no matter what it is, like it's always a process, right? Mm-hmm. Let's use weightlifting. Mm-hmm. You don't walk in day one and deadlift seven hundred pounds. No, you had to work up to that milestone yeah. over a very 20 long years. exactly twenty yeah. years of work. So it's kind of like giving yourself that understanding of okay, I need to hold myself accountable to the goals. I have set or the things I need to do, but it's also understanding that like some of the things I need to do are, may take me a while to get there. Mm-hmm. And so as long as I'm making incremental progress yeah. towards that, that's perspective. And and so I guess my question to you too is to help get yourself out of your own like negative self-talk. Did you have anyone around you that was kind of like an outlet or like a group of guys or something like that, that you were able to kind of like share where you were at through this process and would kind of, Validate like, hey, no, Mike, you need to give yourself a break here. Like yeah. you're doing great, you know. Like, is because sometimes that's what we need. Other times, mm-hmm. it's hey, Mike, get off your butt, yep. get to the gym, or yep. go do yep. do the thing you said you you're were better gonna than do. this, right? Yeah. So we need, yeah. I think, like as guys, we mm-hmm. need both at different times in our lives. But yeah. did you have that for you through this process? I did, but I.
1: One of, uh, it's, I don't like regrets. Obviously, I know you hear that a lot of a lot of places. Like, I, I have perspective because of things I did, wish I would have done differently. Sure. That is one of the things I wish I would have done differently.
0: Mm, is is have I had more.
1: I had more. So okay. I had a couple. I had um, a couple guys. I had, you know, um, obviously professional help. Um, I had my wife. But I've always just been kind of more of an introverted guy. I've never had this huge friend circle. Right. I have a few really good friends. Um, I wish that I would have had been more willing to open up to the people that I know would have listened. Okay. I'll put it that way. I wish that I had shared more about it sooner Okay, Um, rather than, you know, I felt like I had to wait until I kind of solved the problem and be like, hey, here's this thing that I went through, you know, that, you know, two years ago where it was like, no, like, I wish I would have shared more of the specific stuff with, with more people, like I said, who I know, were good friends to me that would wanted to help that would wanted to been there and I just did not allow them into that part of my life. Why do you think that was? A lot of shame. Okay. A lot of shame, embarrassment, um, negativity, and shame. Like shame in what way? Can you expand on that? Like uh, thinking that I was better than what I was experiencing. Thinking that um, I don't. I, I. It's hard. I think that's the best way to describe it. Like thinking that I was better. Than what I was experiencing, I was stronger than this, tougher than this, and now I can't control this. I don't know what's happening. Um, a man should be able to mm. see.
0: So it's almost like a masculinity wound type in, of in thing. So, in yeah. some
1: sense, yeah, like it's like a man should not have to deal with this because a man should be stronger. Th- okay. and X Y Z be the caretaker, you know, for his friends, for his family, right. um, these these sorts of things, which. The two are not mutually exclusive, obviously, but at the time I couldn't see that, mm. and so a lot of it's like, well, what are they going to think of me? Are they going to think I'm a less capable friend, less capable teammate? Are they going to abandon me because they think I'm weaker and I can't handle their stuff? Yeah, you know, like that that kind of thing. So a lot of
0: like fear of rejection, yeah, a lot of fear of being kind of
1: cast out. Yes, yeah, okay. a lot of fear-based stuff. A lot of fear of being judged. Like my you know buddy being like. For example, like, well, why are you going, like, I've been through way worse stuff than you have, right. Why Are you dealing with it? Like, right. you, you know, that kind of thing, even though, again, sure. objectively,
0: that's not what would have happened. I know yeah. that for a fact. So, yeah. yeah. So when did you kind of learn and how did you learn that that's <laughs> not really what's uh, going to happen? Expo- well, ex- almost always. Exposure therapy. Okay. <laughs> Just go do the thing. Um,
1: <laughs> I had a therapist that was, it was based. it was like, yo, you need to really, you know, Mike, you need to stop. At the time it was like, you can stop laying so much on your wife. And you start, mm. you know, broadening
0: the group that so you talk to. When you say laying on your wife, like making her responsible for, like, what do you mean by that?
1: Um, so she has never been in like a policing military kind of environment, and no right. family member, like, nothing. Yeah. Um, I would talk to her about some stuff that, you know, in some sense, I would want to hide stuff because I want to protect her. Right. I don't want her to have to deal with it, but I would also use her as an outlet when I need to vent or something. Mm where I should have been going to people that were more in my world. Okay. And using utilizing their friendship as an outlet for that and rather than laying all of my stressors onto okay. her. So
0: that's a great distinction yes. that I think and, and I know I certainly was guilty of that um, at earlier points in my marriage. And it's something I've learned and like talked to a lot of guys like this. Um it's there's a difference between being dishonest with your wife and understanding the types of things you should yeah. like let down with mm-hmm. with your wife right cuz there's there there is a difference um you know in like in a masculine friendship like if you were like hey hey bro this this and this is happening like i just need you to listen or whatever like mm-hmm. i can take it yes. right but your wife then cuz i'm i'm separate from your yeah. world right exactly. at the end of the day it's like well man I'll pray for you. I hope you're going to get through that and I'll be here to help you. Right. But at the end of the day, it's like, Oh, that's on Mike. You know, you start doing that with your wife. Now it's like the wheel starts turning in her head of, Oh my gosh, my husband's freaking out with this. Or can we pay the rent? What like Mm -hmm. her wheel starts spinning Mm -hmm. and it's, it's adding unnecessary pressure to your marriage and to your family. When you could just go (laughs) probably vent to someone else. Right. And it avoids all that. And then you can say, Hey honey, I'm, I'm struggling a little bit. But it's okay, I talked to Jimmy or whatever, Mm -hmm. and he's going to help me with it. And, um, you know, you don't need to worry, but if you just want to pray for me or whatever, like, I'd really appreciate it. So that, like, you can still be honest about it without Mm -hmm. giving her the weight. Exactly. And that's, I I like that distinction, too. Like,
1: I would never want to be like, in the past, I would have wanted to be like, oh, I'm not going through anything, I'm good. Mm. At this point, I can be like, yeah, I'm going through this, but here's my I am feeling these this you know, money stress or whatever it is. Yeah. But at the same time, here's my bigger perspective. I'm just going to be – I might be a little more irritable. Here is why. You know, yeah. like that that kind of right. thing versus like, oh, we can't pay the rent, blah, 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 blah. Like I can go talk to other people about yeah. you know, whatever example. It's specifically the police stuff like, hey, you know – I had a panic attack with this. Mm. Um, I was thinking about this, you know, and that you can talk through those things a little bit more with people who yeah. understand it
0: a little bit better. In a way too, it almost creates like an unhealthy relationship mm-hmm. where she's your intimate lover, <laughs> your, yeah. your wife. You don't want her to become responsible for like being mommy almost, yep. you know? Yep. And it's like, there is, I'm, I don't don't read into what I'm not saying, right? I'm sure yeah. someone's gonna listen to this and be like, oh, but don't don't psychoanalyze this. But at some degree, you do want to draw a line between like, what you go to your wife for <laughs> because yeah. it will yeah. potentially negatively She's, impact your— She doesn't need to mother you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> like, there's a difference between her supporting you and hearing you and being mm-hmm. there for you and then you basically just dumping, here, mom, fix all my stuff for me. Exactly. You know, there's—they're yeah. they're very different interactions. And I think, I, you know, I've certainly been guilty of it, of yeah. basically making my wife mom Mm-hmm. Where, hey, fix all this stuff for me, you know, here, here, yeah. let me emotionally vomit exactly. In front of like, you. you're the
1: one that understands emotions. Let me give this to you. What exactly. do you think about this? Like, yeah. well, no, dude, that's not...
0: <laughs> yeah. That's so not it's how definitely, it works. She's a, very different line. than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Very different than you. And her idea of processing emotions is probably not how you're going to do it.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's... Yeah, just to circle back, like, you had some people to support you, yep. but you wish you would have built up more of kind of a brotherhood or a network yes. of, of support yes. outside of just... Your wife. Yeah. And having um,
1: opened up about more stuff to being honest those about people stuff. and being honest about yeah. the stuff to more people okay. has been very um it's very liberating, very healing. Yeah, even just talking like this. Yeah, is very, certainly. Very liberating, very healing, like even like admitting your faults, mm-hmm. obviously, is like, Hey, this is something that I've dealt with. That's what it is. Here yeah. I am, you know, deal with it. You know, kinda of, yeah. lack of a better term, like that's what you're gonna get. But being able to do that with, you know, a certain group of people. I've only really, I think, gotten better at it over the last couple of years. Honestly, maybe the last year, year and a half. Okay, and and it has been a game changer, absolutely. Yeah, and so I'm very new at it. I right. guess if you know in my adult life, but I, I I wish honestly I'd you know been like that ten years ago. Yeah, every could have maybe avoided the issue altogether. I don't know.
0: Maybe yeah, I, yeah. I can certainly relate. Like that's uh, opening up and being super honest about my stuff, accepting responsibility for it, mm-hmm. and. Wanting to heal from it is def- definitely only last, like, two years, really, if I'm really brutally honest. Yeah. Like, was I really letting it down? was probably the last, like, two years only. So it's, you know, we're very kindred spirits in yeah. terms of that. But that I, I really think the reason things have changed for me and for my family is because I started leading with vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, in, in the right circles, you know, mm-hmm. with other men who are, like, respectable and, and yeah. you know, are that right outlet. Because yeah.
1: uh, you're not going to give your kids this stuff. No, like, absolutely not. Certainly not. But at yeah. the same time, you want them to f- feel free to come to you. Yes. And in my experience, they're, obviously, my daughter's only two, so she's not coming to me with stuff. Like, that's yeah. not what we're in the stage we're in. But with friends, family, et cetera, right. there does have to be a level of vulnerability and of, hey, you know, if you're going through something hard, dad's gone through hard stuff too. Mm-hmm. And dad has made mistakes. Yeah. Therefore, I am not going to. Judge you as a person right. because of this. Like there may be consequences for what you you know did or sure. said or whatever. Like, but there's a difference between consequences and you know to me like judgment or you know Dad yeah. thinks I'm a bad person or I'm in trouble with yeah. God or whatever. You know you want to right like there's there's and there has to be like this this humility and vulnerability on some level. Yeah, that they have to understand. Yeah,
0: you're not perfect. Yeah, exactly. that that act is uh, it's just damaging for everyone. Yeah. Um. Before we move on to fatherhood stuff, sure. If there's just one takeaway people take from your journey through everything we just discussed, mm-hmm. what would you want them to take <laughs> away from it?
1: Honestly, I think it's what we just, literally, what we just said that vulnerability is, in the right circles, okay, is not a bad thing. It doesn't. I think it's part of being human. Yeah, and it's part of a healthy human, like, a psyche. Yeah, to be vulnerable about the right things in the right circles, looking at things objectively as much as you can. Nobody can right. look at things objectively. but Well,
0: that's where the circle comes in, too. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you,
1: you can kick ideas around. You understand. Because when you do that, you understand, like, hey, you're not the only one, if you're in the right circle. You're not the only one that deals with this stuff. Right. We all deal with this stuff. It doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person, but it means we all have our own work to do. Mm-hmm. So let's do our work together and build each other up. I can make up for what you're weak, like be a team, yeah. right? I yeah. can help you with what you suck at. You can help me with what I suck at. And, you know, we all build each other up together and then by extension build up our own families and it becomes kind of this ripple effect. Right. Whereas if you just shut down and isolate and try to be the guy, it just doesn't. Yeah,
0: you're going to crumble. In crumb- my
1: experience, it does not work You'll out. You'll crumble <laughs>
0: eventually. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. No, one, no one is meant to do that.
0: Yeah. That's good, man. I uh, I think I would say the same, um, like from my own story too. That's like it's when I – was vulnerable and started asking for help from other people, I got better. So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you've been able to kind of overcome, uh, you know, what you, what you were going through. And so let's, let's transition now. What did that transformation look like? How did your marriage transform? And then ultimately you guys getting to a point where you're like, okay, we want to start our family now.
1: Yeah. So, um, it's not been a, like a switch flipping is like, oh, cool. And it's like, Uh, related to fitness it's like nothing's ever linear right right like you're never you're not just gonna i'm gonna lift a pound today and two pounds tomorrow and three pounds the next day yeah and then you know in 20 years i'll deadlift 700 pounds like that's not (laughs) how it works like there's ups and downs and injuries and setbacks and time off and all this stuff yeah and so you know for for us our our family it's been a slow steady climb but there have been challenges like communication challenges Mm -hmm. um you know, postpartum time is always really hard for everybody. Yeah, um, that was a time where I, you know, really wish I would have done some things differently. Um, I think I was so caught up in again my own stuff that I wasn't mm. as f- there for her as you know she needed as, I, as she needed me to be. Yeah, um, which is hard, but we live with that. We've worked through that, and everything's yeah. better. And it all, I think, it all that vulnerability again is where it all started. Like me being willing to admit my faults. Okay. And saying, like, hey, I don't expect you to carry this for me. Here is, you know, I want us to be better. Right. Because a lot of times guys won't even say that. It's just, you know, you just kind of accept your marriage status quo. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of rolling. And then you wonder why, you know, a few years down the road you're drifting apart. Right. It's like, well, you you have to put a lot of work in. Yes. It's, like, the most work that I've ever had to do for the healthiest. Like, when our marriage is the healthiest, mm-hmm. which, you know, I hope she would agree. Like, right now it is about the healthiest it's ever been. Uh, man, like, it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of very intentional tough conversations um, that a lot of guys I don't think are just not willing to have or don't know mm-hmm. how, don't know how to have. I didn't know how to have tough conversations. I do not know how to bring things up right without feeling like again I was weaker or I'm just you know it was really like oh this is your your fault your problem I'm good you know fix this yeah <laughs> you know where actually no I know this is my problem but I'm too proud to admit it mm-hmm. so it's it's been. It's definitely we've had ups and downs over the years, like any married couple, right? Um, like I said, we're I feel like we're in a really good spot now, as far as you know, family meetings, you know, really communicating with the, with each other transparently, as far as like, hey, this is what I'm going through. Like you said, like pray for me, like this yeah. is you know, not giving each other too much. We have our own things that we like to do, hobbies, friend groups, um, jobs, obviously, mm-hmm. but we also have our life together, and I feel like we're we're getting better at that balance of not letting you know, her work take over my work, take over us. Right. You know, we have, what we have together is what we have together. And when we're together, like that's it, everything else is supporting that. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's, it's good. Like I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very grateful that, that I have what I have now.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, (laughs) man. I love to hear that. It could
1: have gone a different direction.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about becoming a dad. What was, uh, Oh man. What was that like for you? We were <laughs>
1: um so some some background, um, and we've talked about this publicly, so I think you know we'd be okay with sharing this. We um initially got pregnant, um, suffered a miscarriage mm. and, um very early, very early. Yeah. Um I mean which it's still was hard. Yeah, yeah, super, still hard. Yeah. Um and then, you know, recovered from that, you know, got pregnant again. Um, and that's our daughter that sits here now. Okay. Um That first one, I did not, you know, without going down that rabbit hole, because that could be a whole other podcast by itself. (laughs) It's like, you don't realize, and we were told this by um, a couples counselor that we saw um, after the miscarriage, is you don't realize how much you can love someone in this very specific way until you have kids. Yeah, It's like, yes, I love my wife. Yes, I love my parents and all this. Like, I I love Mm -hmm. my teammates and I love my friends and all these sorts of things, but... It's like there's this child, then you know, transparently again, it's like there's this child that I've never met, doesn't have a name, mm-hmm. whatever. And I love this child with like everything in me, and it is absolutely crushing. Yeah. You know, when you when you lose that, even just the hope of that. Right. And so when Alice was born, our our daughter now, it was like again, just like every there's a part of you that that opens up that you didn't even know existed. Yeah. You're like, oh wow. Like, I still remember, you know, and I'm sure you the same with your kids, like, every step of the way, you know, pregnancy, hospital, like, the whole stay in the hospital, like, everything. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, it's so vivid in your mind because your mind latches on to those big moments. And it was just, it's, I don't have words for it. Like, other than yeah. just, like, you don't understand it until you've experienced it, mm-hmm. which I get annoyed with people that are, like, oh, you know, I'm a, a dog parent or I'm a cat parent Yeah, it's like, you know, whatever. You know. It's, like... I underst Like I have a dog. I've had many dogs. Yeah. I understand loving your pet. I understand really loving your pet. I've been there. This is not that. Yeah. Like let's not dilute. Yeah. <laughs> parenting to that. So anyway, soapbox. You can just screw with me if you want. No, no. no I, uh, <laughs> we're, we're
0: gonna have to table that one because we could do a whole yeah. <laughs> episode just on that topic right there. But uh, we'll talk. We'll talk backstage yeah. on yeah. that one some more. Yeah. But. Um, so yeah, it's it's been, you know, far and beyond. I mean,
1: it's been very tough. We had a tough she had trouble feeding in mm, the beginning. Mm, um okay. so she wouldn't really take a bottle, which yeah. means my wife was basically on her own feeding and finally we got all that resolved. She started taking the bottle, sleeping better, like all those kind of things. Gotcha. But the first few months postpartum was rough. Yeah. Um came out the other side of that and, you know, very blessed again. She's been happy and healthy since then. That's good, man. But it's it's I I yeah. It's for people that don't have kids, I don't know. I don't know if, if I have words. Yeah, It's one of
0: those things you get. You know. Yep, it is hard <laughs> to put it into words. Yeah. Um, I I try and like describe it as it's probably the hardest thing ever done. You know, being uh-huh. a dad. It's the most important job I'll ever have. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if there's any that's more worth it. Yeah. You know, I think the only thing that can I, I need to take that back. I think the most important job is being the best possible husband ever. Yeah, um, because it's, your 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 relationship with your wife needs to mm-hmm. it, it should extend because your kids grow and they they start their own lives. Mm-hmm. You still need your <laughs> marriage to yeah. continue, and
1: they they use you as the like you see how your you parents... create
0: the framework in which exactly. their yep. safety comes from. Yep. And but so like just a very very close second, right? It's mm-hmm. in the rafters with yeah. the peak of your marriage is your job as dad and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you said, it's extremely hard work, but I also think it's the most rewarding work. Oh it is. Um I I don't both as a husband and as a father, like the the best experiences in my life are from like triumphs in those roles. I mean yeah. It, Oh I, yeah. I can make a billion dollars and it wouldn't even come close to that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, like yeah. it's it's just no no comparison.
1: Absolutely. So. And it's yeah, from like a business perspective, it's like hitting business milestones is cool, hitting right. PR in the gym is cool. Like that's whatever, like when well, she walked for the first time, you know, or, <laughs> yeah, there you, you know, go. started talking a little bit. Yeah. Or what one of my clients told me that stuck with me, he's like when she was when Leslie was pregnant and you know, we we're getting toward the toward the end of that, he was like, There's no better feeling like when you get home, you come in that door and the kid runs up to you and hugs you. Yeah. And every single time and like I work from home. I come up from the basement right. office, right? Yeah. It's not that big of a deal. But man, that just daddy and she runs over and oh my yeah, god. Dude. It's like you can't even it's like why does she even think like does she like it, you want to feel like she she she, she hasn't met me. Yeah. You know, she doesn't know who I am. She just like whatever. Like why would she why would this precious
0: little human being feel like that toward me? <laughs>
1: you know, but she does and it's yeah. just like I I, I don't,
0: yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It like my my daughter still she's 8 and she's getting big now. And, you know, she'll still ask me like, pick her up and carry mm-hmm. her upstairs for bedtime and all that kind of stuff. And my wife is like, why do you keep doing that? I'm like, because one day she won't ask she me won't. anymore. She won't ask you, and, you know, she's um, going to be too
1: big, and it's going to be kind of weird.
0: <laughs> well, <Maybe not. laughs> I was. she was like, will you always be able to pick me up? I'm like, yeah, that's why oh, I work yep, out, kiddo, because yep, i got to be yep. able to pick you and mommy up, you know? Yep. But, like, uh, yeah, dude, that's I'm, – I'm glad you're getting to that stage now, too. Uh, this, these next couple of years are super fun yeah. as a girl dad. It's, like, the coolest – there's nothing that can compare to, like, she runs up to you and like I want a hug and man, yeah. best it's fun best I mean, moments.
1: Like you said, like it's the work is like talking about like your heart breaks open and you like don't didn't know you could love like you love, yeah, or, like you could feel this way toward you know a little human being. Like the work, you don't realize you can work that hard. Yeah, like I'm sorry, like I worked you know 24 hour shifts with the police department. I worked 12, 14 hour days, six days in a row when I was training. Like I worked. Hard. I haven't, you know, done a combat deployment or something, so I understand that. But I I've, mean, I've, yeah, I've, I've worked hard. <laughs> yeah, that, that's <laughs> and, a brutal schedule. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a hard schedule, and just the work that when you know you have a newborn that's not sleeping, or even now just a two year old that gets kind of all over the place, like. And just is running around and has mood swings. Yeah, (laughs) you know, won't eat this, but will eat this, and gets fixated on certain things. Has to watch Toy Story, you know, twice a day, every day for the next, you know, feels like seven years. (laughs) You know, it's just like it's you don't you don't like they rely on you for everything, Mm -hmm. and you don't realize just how much you can do for yourself, and so you have to do it for somebody else. Yeah. Oh my god, can you just? Like we're getting ready to go into potty training. It's like, can you just go use the bathroom? Yeah. Like just so I don't have to change his diaper for the for three thousandth time. It yeah. feels like in the last two weeks. But they rely on you for everything. Yep. It's, yeah. It's it's wild, man.
0: What a privilege to be relied upon. It's, it. Yeah. It's a, it's a big
1: privilege, and it's again one of those things like you don't you're. People are like, what? I'm not ready to have kids. Like, dude, you're never ready. Yeah, like, we ready. I, I do. That that it is something a, I tell guys. A it was just YOLO. Yeah, a guys Hail Mary. would be like,
0: you know, I just they they asked me for like advice or whatever. I'm like, man, nobody's ready. No. But by you before your dad working on it now and mm-hmm. just trying to learn, like, you're already ahead of the game. Exactly. You know, and it's going to be different for you than it was for someone else. Mm-hmm. And like, you got to find your own rhythm and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, you are ready. Like, you're born to do this. Yes. It's not. It's not it's a biological yeah, thing. You are created to eventually yeah. do this. So, you know.
1: You that, figure it that's That self-doubt
0: is like everyone has it, but yeah. just kill that doubt. You don't it it's not true. Yeah. It's it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Exactly.
1: But, it's like you're not gonna be perfect. You're not, you know, you're gonna screw things up. Like that's just how it is. Yep. You're human, get over it.
0: They're but, also more resilient than we think. You so think it's this tiny little resilient. thing and they're surprisingly. You know, like you just said, they yeah. jumped off and hit her head on a cot yeah. and stuff. They like, do they do stuff like that all the time. You're like, oh my goodness, my tiny baby's gonna die, and it's yeah. like, nope, They fine. get up and they're like, ha, ha, ha. yeah. And like, I still what? remember the,
1: the the one and only time she like rolled off the couch and hit the floor without yeah. me being able to catch her. It was a sun. I still remember it was a Sunday afternoon. Leslie was somewhere else, um, and I it was like, I'm on the phone with the doctor, and of course they're not there, so they have to do a call out and they call- have the doctor call me, and I'm like freaking out. Mm-hmm. She's crying. It's just awful. She was, she was calmed within, you know, a minute or two before the doctor even called me back. And the doctor's like, well, look at her eyes. Her pupils the same size? I'm like, yeah. Like, she crying? No. Is she bleeding? No. Like, can you, f- you know, feel her soft spot? She get, yeah. Like, all right, well, you know, just keep an eye on her for the next 24 hours. And I am still like, ah. Oh, and yeah. she's just, you know, off playing with whatever little yeah. toy. And it's like, yep. it's like that took me longer to recover from than it did her. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah.
0: Never happened again. Yep. That's good. All right, let's, uh. I'd like you to answer what is the best piece of advice you ever got uh to be a dad. Oh, wow. That yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um or I guess just general fatherhood
1: advice that yeah. that someone gave to you. Someone gave to me. I it's so hard cuz there's so many things. Um I guess this is fatherhood advice it, and it it kind of what you were just hitting on a second ago is that your relationship with your wife is most important. Mm is I think a lot of guys and families get caught up in the kids because the kids require so much of us. right? Like, they require so much time, so much effort, mental energy, emotional management. Um, mm-hmm. You have to parent yourself first. That's yeah. a quote that I like. Okay. it's um, a good one. Yeah. Like, you have to manage your own emotions. Um, you have to keep calm when they're losing their mind because they need a center. Um you know yelling doesn't fix anything. I've learned that <laughs> pretty quick, so yeah. I, I'm getting better about that. Um, and I, I was never really bad about it, but I, I'm definitely better now. But like the relationship with your wife is so central because that is going to be what they grew up seeing. Yeah, that's, that's their precedent for what is a marriage, right? What is you know a romantic relationship? Um, what is a what does a home look like? Yeah, like you guys are the center, of, you are the center of that. And if you let that go, um, I've seen, you know, friends and stuff, unfortunately, like, you let that go, you drift apart, um, you know, you make the kids the central thing. And like you said earlier, like, when the kids, the kids will grow up and leave, and then what do you have? Yeah. But I'm thinking even more immediately, like, like as a parent, like, trying to raise a young kid, um, if they don't see you both together, working through things together, if they don't learn how to manage conflict Yeah, because there's conflict in a marriage and they're not going to take your advice. They're going to do what they see you doing. Exactly. And so if you don't know how to manage conflict or on the flip side, if you don't ever let them see you have conflict. Yeah. Um, if you stuff it down in yourself or you just fight when they're not around or whatever, you know, other mechanism, you know, you use, they don't really have a way to navigate conflict in the real world. Yeah, they they, get they enter
0: adulthood with a false expectation. Exactly. And then they start their own narrative of, like, they have a fight with their future spouse, mm-hmm. and they think that they're a terrible spouse now because they had a disagreement, you know.
1: Yeah. yeah, Like, everything's wrong, or this person isn't right for me, or they must not love me, right. or I don't love them. Yeah. And you know, it's like, no, this is part, and you have to know how to mm-hmm. deal with that. And even it's, like, in the workplace or at school or anything yeah. like that. What does basic respect look like? Right. What do boundaries look like for, you know, relationships? Because yeah. when they're going to school, it's like, yeah, they have their friends in their circle. But when they're young, I mean, what other relationships do they really have to look at? <laughs> right. You know? Exactly. Like, what are they really yeah. looking at? So being able to have a very steady foundation, I think, I think that's parenting advice. At yeah. least like, no, I, like I would have, have a great relationship with your I wife. Think, yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. You know, I, I know that our daughter gains a great deal of comfort about her whole world knowing that mommy and daddy are, you know, attached to the hip and have each other's backs no matter what, mm-hmm. come hell or high water, that kind of stuff. I mean, that that creates a level of security for our child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's at the age now where she, she can start to grasp some of these bigger concepts mm-hmm. and, you know— uh, I think she sees my wife and I, you know, show affection to each other and stuff like that, and she'll joke like "ew, gross," yeah. but I think deep down she's like probably understands like that's that's good, I think that. that's a normal reaction. Yeah, like, think, like, yeah, well, she's to. <laughs> she's just started doing that, yeah. but she used to want to like come and wedge in between, even mm-hmm. like, well, hug me
1: too, you know. Yeah. But I think that that's she's understanding that you guys
0: are separate then. yes, that bubble yeah, of security yeah. is is uh, is a great thing. So yeah, I, I think hundred yeah. percent that's parenting advice because it <laughs> yeah. is for your kids that yeah yeah. Um, last kind of fatherhood question is just, we, we ask it of every guest. What's, what's just a great, like core memory or experience you've had as a father so far that just like when, when someone asks you, you know, like, boom, that's the one you Um, bring up or jump to. Again, there's, there's
1: a lot. Yeah. Just pick a favorite. So I think for me, it's been maybe more of a recurring thing than any one particular moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, again, it was, like, I really wanted to be intentional with just spending one-on-one time with her from the beginning. Yeah. Not just, like, oh, we're going to have daddy-daughter date when she's in school or whatever right. like that. But, like, actually making it a habit and an expectation. Um, and so we've done breakfast together since she was, like, in her little infant carrier. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally take her, like, to breakfast, you know, as an infant. And it's, like, you know, give her whatever she could eat, which is not much. Yeah. And I would eat, and, you know, we'd do whatever. And now it's, you know, progressed to um, – with my schedule now, I'll take her to breakfast. We'll probably do a little shopping, stuff like that. Go to the indoor playground, play a little bit. She has gymnastics. I'll take her to that. And for me, that has been grounding for me because it reminds me like, yo, you're taking a half day out of your work week when you used to work like just nonstop. Mm-hmm. And it was when you weren't at work, you were thinking about work. And just with building a business too. I mean, yeah. it's the same same exact mentality you have to have because right. your business is going to go under if you don't. But it's like you are taking this time. To live this life now, like the life that you want with your daughter is not somewhere off in the future when yeah. I just make a little bit more money, when right. I just have a little bit more time, then I'll do it. No, 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 no. I'm being intentional now. I am giving up something that, you know, I could use this time and make a decent amount more money. Um, but I'm using this time with her and, you know, seeing her learn how to, like a gymnastics, learn how to forward roll. Yep. Or yeah. getting up the courage to finally jump in the foam pit when she's been so apprehensive before right. or literally learning how to jump with two feet. Like yep. just little coordination things like that. I got so excited when she started jumping with two feet. It's like, you learn how to jump. Like, this is amazing. Yeah, um, Just seeing those little things that mean in the scheme of things, it's like, well, of course every kid learns how to jump. Every kid, learn, it's right. like every kid learns how to talk and every kid says their first word. <laughs> but actually like, you know, I, like, b- the first time she walked, like, I was there. We were all three there together, yeah. you know, helping her, and she finally did it. Like, I was there for that the first time. She gut laughed. Um, mm-hmm. I would. We were all three there looking through a book, and she just started cackling. And she couldn't barely even, you know, I don't even think, she couldn't walk at the time. Yeah. She just, like, topples over laughing. Like, those little things. Yep. Like, you just being, uh, reminding myself that, like, hey, your your life is not in the future. Mm-hmm. Your life is now. And you need to prioritize your time accordingly. Because mm, your time good, is man. your your time is your asset. Your asset is not your money. Yep. Like your money can buy back time. Like I understand that concept. But you know, what if you get to the point in the at future? The at, at yeah. point in the future when you've got all your money to buy back all your time, but like it's gone. So yeah. I'd rather just, just do what I'm gonna do now and, you know, work hard and the rest of the time and let the chips fall with him. <laughs> yeah, know? man. But but yeah, just being there for all the little stuff, like you can't. It sounds so ins- it's in- insignificant, but, like, you and every parent listening to this knows it's not. It, yeah, it's it not. won't be for her. The little things are the big yeah. things.
0: I got to quote uh, Nick Freitas on that exact concept yeah. you're talking about is, you know, he was responding to the notion of, like, oh, well, when your daughter's, you know, dating age, you're going to scare the boys away type of thing. And he took it back, and I love this example. That's why I'm quoting it. Yeah. Um, he's like, well— When your daughter or whatever is one or two, how you treat her matters for when she's five. She'll remember when she was three, right? When she's seven, she'll remember when she's five. So she's not going to remember all the little things, but it's those incremental steps you're building, that connection you're building, that when she gets to the point where, oh, boys are interested in now, Mm -hmm. you know, she will have this expectation that dad is involved Mm -hmm. and will have conversations with you as opposed to – if you didn't build that, let's say in your yeah. example, you were building a business instead, so you can buy back your time later. Well, guess what? Now it's later now, mm-hmm. and she's not going to be comfortable having hard conversations with you about exactly. things that are going on because you didn't put in the work early on. So, man, that I heard that it's like a sixty-second clip or something it's, where it was cutting a yeah. reel, and I was like, Oof, that is one of the best mm-hmm. like designs I've heard about. You know, that's why now matters. So I love yeah. that so much, dude. That, it,
1: and it influences. From my experience, like, it influences just overall outlook, too. So, like, when I was in, I guess I was elementary school, I don't remember specific years. I don't remember where we went or what we did. I don't remember any of that stuff. But my dad, uh, every year for several years, we'd just do, like, a father-son, like, like two- or three-day vacation. Yeah, that's great. Like, a long weekend. Yeah. I, like I said, I don't remember any of the details. It doesn't matter if he went and spent $5,000 on it or $300 on it or, you know, a million dollars. It doesn't right. matter. I don't remember.
0: You just remember that time. But before. I
1: remember I had – my dad took the time. Yeah. And he's, he's – like he works hard. Like work and finances are a big priority for mm-hmm. him. But he took that time with me when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And so now I have in my head it's it's just something simple like, wow, my dad really cares about me. Yeah, Just that, that simple thought is that, that I know, you know, a lot of people have that, but a lot of people don't. Yeah. And so – you know, I want her to have that. Yeah, like, my dad took the time to take me to gym- gymnastics most of the time. You don't remember what you did in gymnastics; it's irrelevant. You don't <laughs> right. even remember probably where it was, but he was there. Yep, and that's it.
0: That's great, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, that's uh that's been something that like I was always wanting to provide as well, and been very intentional about. And yes, yeah. it's, it's I'm right on board with you on that. Well, one.
1: I'm, the first time we talked on the phone, you were at the with the kids at the pool yeah i was There's like kids yeah, screaming yeah. in the background like, this is great this is completely on brand yep <laughs> yeah man I, I definitely uh <laughs> you walk the walk
0: yeah i i think uh, to your point too you said it earlier i think you think our generation is a little bit more involved than maybe previous ones i i would agree with that Broadly. like I've, I've taken some yeah. uh you know gone on like to be chaperones for field trips and stuff at school mm-hmm. and at my initial thought was i'm gonna be the only dad there boom no there was quite a few mm-hmm. and it's like it's really good mm-hmm. to see that and i uh I think it sets a good example for even the kids that aren't yours, right? Like mm-hmm. to just see men being involved.
1: Yeah. People, the kids need, especially the boys, right. they need more men. Yeah, and it's in not, their not their to lives. discredit yeah. women. That's not no, what I'm saying no, at all. I think not they,
0: it's good to see both, yeah. right, being involved actively. Anyway, so yeah, as a dad, man, that's like, it, yeah, you're right. You may pass up dollars today, but what you're investing in your child is priceless. Yeah, you know, and and they're going to remember that. They're going to carry it forward. Yeah, it's just it's so worth it. On how, so many, how many dollars do
1: you need? Like really.
0: You know, yeah.
1: Like I get it, but on another level, it's like, like you said, like you can't, you can't buy back this time. Yeah, you can buy back other time.
0: Yeah, I mean, sacrifice have to be made at some points, but it's like you need to, you need to be constantly evaluating. Like, Mm -hmm. am I in a loop now?
1: That's just robbing long term.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you got to. Yeah. Anyway, that's so good, dude. Um. All right, let's wrap with just higher level blurb again about kind of the training you're doing now, how people can kind of get involved with you. Um, you know, how, who's your kind of ideal client and, um, we'll, we'll go from there.
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said earlier, I run a coaching company called JT training. Um, I've had the same company for my entire training career, 12 years. Um, but recently took it, you know, kind of away from a, you know, personal training. Like I've done corporate fitness. I've done one-on-one training. I've done group training. I kind of took it away from that. Um, because of some of the drawbacks of the in-person thing, um, you at a certain point, it's like you need more support, right? Mm-hmm. If your, people are paying for your time to teach them how to work out. And don't get me wrong, like I did I competed in straw man, like I've done an ultramarathon, like I've done some some stuff that I yeah. didn't think I could have done before. And I love physiology and, you know, biomechanics and all this kind of, you know, cool, nerdy stuff that a lot of people in the fitness world really get into. Yep. But <laughs> and so it's fun to teach that in person, but in a certain level, like you have to have Ongoing support if you actually want the changes to stick, if you want to, you know, yeah. actually make it part of your life.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's like habit it, correction. Habit yeah.
1: correction, um, a lot of like mindset work, recovery, yeah. sleep, nutrition, all these kind of things. Yeah. And so, you know, what I, I initially started making it more of a kind of a hybrid thing where you'd see me once or twice a week, but you do stuff on your own, okay. kind of take a little more responsibility for it. And then I would check in with you online, you know, provide obviously the training framework, the nutrition plans, and all that kind of right. stuff. Right. You know, what I found, you know, frankly, is that the in-person face-to-face time for the vast majority of people, once you kind of had a basic proficiency, is just not necessary. Hmm. Um, Interesting. You can teach, you know, you have to teach exercise technique, um, you know, teach people how to use, you know, certain machines or different conditioning methods and stuff. But at a certain point, it gets to like, well, you can only say so much about a bicep curl. You know? (laughs) Like, I train powerlifters, you know, I train strength athletes and stuff. And those people, like, we do video analysis and stuff like that. But for the vast majority of people, it's like... We need the lifestyle work. We don't need, you know, the nuts and bolts, biomechanics exactly. stuff. You may, it's a, cool. you may
0: have a perfect power clean, but if your diet is all jacked up, it exactly. doesn't matter. <laughs> and if your wife hates
1: you because you're always at the gym doing power cleans. There you go. We've yeah. probably got another problem going on. Right. Like I said, none of us are getting paid to do so this. Like, so it's more of out. like a holistic Yeah. And so I stay in my approach. lane. Like, I'm not yeah. a therapist, yeah. um, but I have a very good network of, you know, for example, therapists, physical therapists, um, you know, mental therapists, physical therapists, chiropractors. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, even a chef, you know, uh, okay. men's health doctors um, to kind of take the whole person into account. Right. Um, because this all this all starts in the mind. Right. Yep. So if your beliefs, if you have limiting beliefs, if um, you're self-sabotaging because of those limited beliefs, you're not really going to get anywhere. Right. And so that's the hard work that a lot of guys specifically don't really want to do because yeah. a lot of introspection and it's kind of painful. Yeah. Just having done a lot of it myself. But you know, you can do your crash diet in January. You can do your keto or your carnivore mm-hmm. or whatever's popular at the time. It's just cyclical. Pretty, you know, five years it's going to be you know high carb, low fat again. Like it's just how it is. <laughs> um, you know, you can go to your do whatever workout you want to do, but if you don't get your mind right, it's it, you are going to do it for like yeah maybe six months or a year at best, mm-hmm. and you are slide right back to where you were right. And I hate that it happens. Like we're all human, but yeah. at the same time, it's like how do I empower people to? make an actual change no matter how small it is. You may not want to be, you know, like Joe bodybuilder or get absolutely ripped for the beach. Like most of the people, you know, talking about like, who do I work with? Like a lot of the people that come in are either guys that are about to get married. Okay. (laughs) um, And it's, and it's less, it's, it's, you've got like the whole like wedding thing, but it's much less about like looking good on the wedding day from them. Like I'm not telling them this, this is what they're telling me. It's like, I need to get myself in order because I'm about to have this new responsibility that I've never had before, and my wife needs to be able to rely on me. And I've kind of been, you know, treating myself like crap. Yeah, so they're kind of trying to step up
0: to the plate. Yeah, Yeah. so it's a big life transition
1: like that, or it's um, people about to have kids or that have (laughs) young kids that have kind of let themselves go since they had young kids. Trying to get back on top of it. Yeah, and so they, you know, were maybe doing good before, and now it's maybe been three or four years, they've got a couple kids. Um, and they've let just because of time commitments and they got to work and they got to take the kids to their activities and all this kind of stuff. And they're just kind of overwhelmed with everything. And they're like, the only thing I know how to do is what we did in high school football.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's like,
1: that is not, we need to, or what we did in the military or what we did, you know, even as a police officer, like I have former police officers that got out for similar reasons to me. And it's like, I don't know how to make this work for All of these new challenges. Yeah, the busy
0: dad life. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so helping people navigate that, trying to figure out, you know, where is our starting point? Mm -hmm. You know, what do we – the example I always use is the old Staples commercial, like the easy button. Remember that? (laughs) That was easy. Um, (laughs) We're trying to find the lowest – like the lowest barrier for entry that pays off the biggest and the quickest at the beginning. Yes. And then building, you know, kind of sequentially from Quick wins. Yes. Yep. Yeah, get you some quick wins, get you moving in the right direction. You know, the fat loss will come, the muscle gain will come, mm-hmm. the strength will come, the conditioning will come. All that stuff will come. Yeah. But not if you don't figure out how to make it work with your schedule right. and your mind. Exactly. Because you have to do the thing consistently in order to actually get the result of the thing. Yeah, It's
0: a marathon, not a sprint.
1: Exactly. Yep. And so learning, like developing, so I take it, I, you know, we start from values, identity, kind of the stuff we're talking about here. It's good. Um, you know, who do you want to be? Who do you want to become? What does that person do? What's most important to your life? Mm -hmm. And then relating that to the stuff that you may not want to do, like go to the gym at 5 a.m. Right. (laughs) How does going to the gym at 5 a.m. improving your fitness actually get you closer to these things that you value? How does that make you a better husband, a better father, a better business person, a better employee, whatever roles you have to fill? Um, How does improving your fitness make that better? And a lot of guys don't have an answer for that other than, you know, something real kind of surface level. So we, right. do, we have to dig a little bit and we find that we yeah. have ways of finding that. And then it's like, okay, now we can educate you a little bit, give you some basic knowledge. Now we can build a plan, you know, based around your schedule and what you know how to do, what you like to do um, to get you what you want. Cause you awesome. don't have to be, like I said, Joe bodybuilder, you don't have to be Olympic lifting freak. Yeah. You need to be what you want to be. Exactly. And so I'm not going to try it. I have things I like to do. I like doing some stupid stuff, but that's fine. <laughs> whatever. Don't we all, but, some people don't, man. Some people are just like I'm content with my two workouts a week yeah. and you know kind of eating pretty well and being reasonably healthy yeah. and not having bad blood work. I'm like that's cool. Let's let's do that. <laughs> you know, so I'm never going to impose very you good. Know, my will on somebody yeah. else. That's just make it what it is.
0: All right. Yeah. Mike, awesome. So it sounds like your program is very tailor-made to each man yes. where where he's at in his life and yes. that's great, man. That's that's really good to hear. So if you want to work with Mike and uh, you're interested in it, it's mj MG- training.com, mjttraining.com, mjttraining.com. Links will be in the description, of course, yep. for all this. And uh, best way to reach out is just through the site or is it on Instagram Inst- or something? Honestly, or?
1: just Instagram DMs, man. That's okay. the easiest easiest thing. Like I have, you know, the website has, you know, details and like sure. the contact form with questions and all that formal okay. stuff. But like um, I'm not really a one-man show. I do have help. But, right. you know, as far as coaching, I'm a one-man show. And if you – I read all my DMs. If someone sends me a DM, yeah. like, I'm going to respond. It's going to be me, like, and I'll just help. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all remote? Yeah, 100% okay. remote. So people can be anywhere? Anywhere in, in the world. Um, I have clients in Canada, Ireland. Um, I've had Thanks. military contractors where I didn't know where they were. <laughs> right, um, okay. You know, the secret squirrel people, you know, people all over the country. Um, okay. Obviously, a lot of police, fire, military type okay. people. But I would say at least half – I don't have exact numbers – at least half my clientele is – the kind of person I've described, just a regular, very cool, okay, regular, regular dude who wants to be healthy for his family. Yeah. um, Just needs a little bit of a push in the right direction, a little bit of guidance. Needs to get his head right, um, and you know, can make a a much more purpose filled, I guess, I purpose filled life. But you know, like a, a much more yeah. living life in line with their values. Yeah, much more.
0: Yeah. yeah, just building that confidence. Exactly, having it pour over. So exactly. Mike, man, it has been an absolute pleasure. I'm so glad we finally got in the studio together. Six months in the making. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, dude, I, I am so grateful for you to share, sharing your story, being vulnerable. Um, and thank you too for diving into like what it's like being a police officer. And, you know, obviously everyone's experience is different, but, um, I really do mean it. I think, you know, the police probably get the least amount of credit when it comes to anyone who steps up to serve in some form and capacity like that. And, uh, so check on your, check on your police officer, yes, friends and family. Yes. So from <laughs> me to you, thank you for, yeah. for stepping up. And, you know, even though it was just two years, um, uh, you know, you still volunteered to do that. Yeah. Well, um, I appreciate that. And, right. you know, I, I think that, uh, I, I hope that our country moved back to a position of changing where things are yep. when it comes to that line of work, um, in terms of just general respect for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, for for you and everyone who is currently serving in the in the force, thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also th- want to thank you for setting the example for uh, kind of being honest, yeah, and, and sharing your story, <laughs> yeah. And so uh, if
1: I if I if I can't do anything else, I can at least be honest. That's right, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, Mike, it's been a true privilege, and uh, really appreciate your time. So with that, enough talk. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Present Fathers Podcast. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Spotify to catch all of our amazing episodes. We will see you in the next one.